Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at GPC, we want you to know God, love people, and live sent. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. If you want to learn more about Grace Point, head over to gracepointchurch.net. And now, this week's message. Whenever you were growing up, um, what was your earliest memory of angels? Your thoughts that comes to your mind. I mean, let me show you the, 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 the painting that, that whenever I grew up was in my grandmother's house. And this was the painting that has branded itself in my mind. How many of y'all have seen this painting before? I don't even know the name. I don't know the author. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this. As a kid, I walked up to this painting and looked at it and studied it. I mean, I was amazed that this, these little kids were walking across this, this bridge as if the bridge is going to collapse right underneath their feet and they're going to draw and fall into this water and this rapids are going to carry them away. But no, there was an angel that was there watching over them, protecting them. And again, I don't know that all about the guardian angels. There's certainly, uh, there's certainly evidence in scripture that guardian angels do guard us. Now, whether or not we all have our own little guardian angel, I certainly can't give biblical reference to that, but I can point to the fact that angels have responsibilities that God gives them. Uh, from Genesis to Revelation, you cannot miss it. In fact, if you read the whole Bible and you don't see angels and you don't have a better understanding of angels, then you need to go back and reread the Bible. Because in Genesis, in fact, you go to chapter 3, you find the first angel appearing there. And he drove, them, uh, uh, drove out the man to the east of the Garden of Eden. He placed a cherubim. You'll hear cherubim, seraphim. Those are common names uh, for, for angels. And again, this is not a, a whole message series on angelology. But some people believe the cherubim and the seraphim are, are two different types of angels. that carry out two different roles. But this angel had a flaming sword, and he was keeping them out from the tree of life. This is after mankind had fallen. Again, so think about that. That's the first appearance that we see. Now you go all the way through the scriptures, you're going to find all the way through, all the way to the book of Revelation. The Revelation is actually an angel, Revelation chapter 1 verse 1, an angel delivering a message to John. That's how it begins. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ, but it's delivered by an angel. Followed up by that, by there's seven messages that are given to seven different churches in the book of Revelation by seven different angels. So I wonder today, in fact, I've often wondered if, 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 I'm saying this, if there are angels for every church and every church in the Revelation had its own message given to them, if, if, if we, Grace Point, has an angel, what is his message from God for us? I don't know. Just something to think about. Uh, nothing to, uh, to, to solve on. It's a question. Not, there's not one woman with a conclusion. And then you go on to Revelation chapter 5 and you find this beautiful worship scene. All of heaven is worshiping all humanity, every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation. And I looked and I heard around the throne, the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels. Numbering the myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, listen, let me just pause right there. If we could be discipled by angels, as we talked about last week, we need to be discipled by angels and how to worship. Worship is not a spectator sport. Us watching a band on a stage 
and watching them lead us in worship. Notice how the angels, with a loud voice, what are they saying? They're declaring theology, truth about who God is. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. I challenge one of you to put that into a rhythm and a rhyme and put it to a song. But that's what they were singing and saying before the throne of heaven. But you go on further into Revelation, you come to chapter 12, and you'll find this great cosmic battle that, is in, that takes place. The battle of all battles, the battle of the end of all battles, and there arose in heaven a Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. Now, I'm not going to get into who the dragon is, okay? We're not going there today. There'll be a day that maybe we'll go there. Uh, but the point is, is that you're going to see angels throughout the scriptures, You're going to find in the book of Revelations 50 different times that angels are working in the Revelation, declaring, doing the work of angels. 200 times Bible refers to angels. So angels are important. Take your Bibles and look at Matthew chapter 1. Now, this is not a study in all things angels. This is not a comprehensive study, although the deeper I dive into angelology, the more I want to keep studying it, not to worship them, but to be discipled by them. They had, as we learned last week, as Mary encountered an angel, there was a very clear message that was given about who Jesus is. Exactly this is who Jesus is. And by the way, Mary, he's in your womb right now. That's how personal and real it was. But you go on and you understand how Mary approaches that. Now we go to Matthew chapter 1 and we bring the fiancé into the story. Mary's fiancé, not married yet, just betrothed. A betrothal was about a 12-month waiting period, preparation period, getting all things in order period. It was, it was, if you will call it contractual, it was a committal time. It was a, as I said last week, it's like, uh, it's like, uh, uh, an engagement on steroids. That's exactly what you have here. And all along, Joseph is preparing himself as he's believing Mary is preparing herself. And then we come to Matthew chapter one and at verse 18. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now that's kind of a big news, right? I'm engaged, but we're not together. I have the responsibilities and the commitment to you, but we are not sharing intimately with one another. But yet at the same time, you're pregnant. This creates a tension. A tension that's very clear that is invoked. Can you imagine Mary for a moment here? She has walked as innocently as she has can. She's been as loyal to her fiance as she could, as she, as she can. And all of a sudden, an angel appears to her and says, you're pregnant, you're with child. Okay. How and all that, that's last week's message. Now she's got to go have a conversation with somebody. She's about to bust. So she goes to Aunt Elizabeth and talks to Aunt Elizabeth. She comes back and I don't know what happens. Oh, wouldn't you like to be there on that moment? When Mary sees Joseph for the first time, was she showing? Did she have a baby bump? Did she take a picture and hold her belly like that? Like, cause that's what we do nowadays. You know, how was Mary? What was it that kind of created that moment in time when Joseph goes, what? I'm protect saving myself and you're pregnant? Can you imagine that moment? 
She didn't text him, hey, I got something important to say to you. I just met with an angel. She had to have that conversation. But you pick up verse 19, and her husband, already calling him a husband, but yet they're not together, being a just man, hang on to that phrase, it's a descriptor of the character of Joseph. He was a just man. He was a righteous person. You know what? In scriptures, you'll never hear the words of Joseph. He never speaks, though he's in, all the, he's in the Gospels. He, he, he never speaks, but yet you see his character. He was, a, as one person called it, he was the silent saint. He doesn't speak, but yet he, what does he do? He resolved that he was going to divorce her quietly. He's a just man, righteous man, doing the right thing. He's not going to take her out and beat her. He's not going to take her out and stone her as it would be Jewish customs. He's actually just going to quietly, respectfully, compassionately send her on her way. But as he considered these things, behold, enter the angel. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and a, son, uh, a son and shall be called, his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife, but he knew, not, uh, he knew her not until he had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Now, a very familiar story if you've ever been around the Christmas story. But that angel encounter, that sleepless, restless night right before the divorce was decreed, that night before he took her away and, and said, hey, we're done, we're finished, you're going on your way, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to go find me a proper... No, no, he has this encounter with this angel. He hears from this angel in the night and this angel gives him the message. How does that message change his life? What does it alter about him? We saw last week when, a, when, when, when Mary heard from the, from the angel, what did she say? She says, I am the servant of the Lord. She literally, the first words out of her mouth was the response that I am the servant of the Lord. You don't hear from Joseph, but you do hear from Mary. Mary says, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be. She literally offers herself up in the midst of all the confusion and complexity of what she was going to be facing over the next nine months or ten months together. But at the same time, she was willing to be a servant for the Lord. So what is Joseph? How does he respond? What does he respond to? Well, let's look at three messages that the angel gives to Joseph that should steer his life and even steer our life. The first message is that God is beyond us. Okay? When I say God's beyond us, I'm meaning he is infinite and we are finite. We are in time. He is timeless. He is beyond us. God goes out of his way to come to us. He defies the realm of possibility to be with us. He broke the rules of nature to demonstrate his love 
for us. Both his coming and his death, burial, and resurrection, all as a form of demonstration that he is going to break the laws of humanity. He's going to break the laws of nature. He is going to, uh, he's going to overcome it all just so he could be in relationship with us. But he is beyond us. He is greater than us. His, he put on flesh and he came and he dwelt among us, as it says in John 1.14. He came to be with us. Now you go back to verse 18 and it says this, that Mary would be found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. This is the very first IVF and it was taken from the Holy Spirit, placed into the womb of a woman. And in verse 23, behold, the virgin shall conceive. So here's a woman who's not been with a man and now she's pregnant. Now you and I both know that that's an impossibility. But again, God does the impossible. God enters into our space. He broke the rules of nature. He defied uh, all the realm of possibilities. He, he goes out of his way to come to us. And he comes to, no, he doesn't come to a prince, a princess. He doesn't come to a king. He doesn't come to a palace. Let this sink in. He comes to a 14-year-old. And again, I'm putting a name, an age on there that may or may be off by a couple of years. Puts on a 14-year-old in a town that nobody knows, that nothing good comes out of Nazareth. The Bible talks about that. Into an unnamed girl, a, possibly a peasant, virgin teenage girl. He doesn't come to a king. He comes to this unsuspected person. But again, that just goes to show you how far God will go to come to us. He is way beyond us. But even though he is beyond us, he still comes to us. Whenever you look at Matthew's writing, and you find it's very emphatic in verse 23. It's, it's also in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. It's also in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that this woman is a virgin. Never been with a man. And I know, I know virginity and talking about that today is a laughable. It sounds like something from the Victorian lace button up, uh, dress era. And in this sexualized culture, it's kind of like we make movies and make fun of people. But it was an honor to be able to give what you can only give one time to one person on that wedding night. And so to be a virgin and to wait for marriage is actually something that is totally in the power of the individual to give it to whomever they choose to give it to, but they can only give it away once. The beauty of virginity and holding oneself to, uh, pure is, a, is, a, is actually a very beautiful thing, but she has never been with another person. Why? Why is that so important to the story? Because if Jesus had been born of man and woman, he would be carrying the seed of the sin of man. Now, let me hang on to that. Because in this day and age, 65% of evangelicals out there believe that we're all born innocent. But the Bible makes it very clear that we're not born innocent. David said it like this in Psalm 51. He said, I was brought forth in iniquity. I was brought forth in sin. And in sin did my mother conceive me. So the very idea that David was, was born with this nature of sin and brokenness and, 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 and strife and jealousy, all of that, it, it came with David. It came, it came with you and me. How does that happen? 
Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, Just as sin came into the world through one man, death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. So here's a deep theological thing for a moment. We have DNA that's passed down from generation to generation. We also have sin that's passed down from generation to generation. So much so that Romans chapter 3, verse 10 says that there's not even a single person alive that is righteous, not even one. Now, I know this sounds heavy-handed. Please, 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 please hang with me on this. Because I'm saying that the message of Jesus coming to this earth is that this God that's beyond us is going to come to us is no small thing. It is a beautiful, powerful reality that he is going to come to us in all of our brokenness and he's still going to love us and he's still going to accept us. He's still going to embrace us. Now, I don't know if you know this, and I didn't put a picture in the slides this week. Sorry for that. I probably should have. But I have five near-perfect grandkids. <laughs> near-perfect. But I also know that they're not perfect. You know, they're all under three. And again, I can't say that, that, that they're perfect, but they are as close to perfection as I can think of. But yet I still see in children that are under three, Discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, and dissensions. I still see that in my perfect, near perfect grandkids. The problem is that's verse 20, but verse 21 says those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That means my awesome grandkids will not inherit the kingdom of God unless there is a divine intervention. Now that right there should not say an amen. It should be more like an oh me. That should suck the air out of your lungs for a moment. You go, okay, how does that happen? What do I deal with that? Listen, the angelic message is this, that Jesus made a way because with us there was no way. With us, we're just going to continue to pass on our sinful nature from one generation to the next, and it's just going to become, that's a part of who they are. But the great news is, is that Jesus was born of a virgin, not of a man and a woman, but of a, but the Holy Spirit's seed put it into the, into the very womb of a woman. So he is not only beyond us, but God is for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? The Bible says. When you're on team God, not even the Kansas City Chiefs are going to beat you. No, it's not that big of a deal because they haven't, they've lost some games recently. There's nobody going to beat you. There's no angelic powers out there. And we talked about the demonic world last week just briefly. There's nothing out there that can defeat you when he is on your side. When I think about all the words that I could put together to describe the good news, the ultimate, the definitive, the vital, the urgent, the infinite, the extraordinary. I literally pulled out a thesaurus yesterday and I thought as many different words as limitless. And I just landed on supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. That is how good news this is. That it is that awesome. But you know what? You don't really understand how good the good news is until you first understand how bad the bad news is. 
I don't normally read long quotes like this, but I got to read this one. Paul Tripp, great little Christmas time devotional book. He said this, the birth of Jesus was bad news. It wasn't just your typical piece of bad news. It was the worst news ever. Now that right there should pique your interest. Maybe burn the book. I don't know. God has to invade our world in the person of Jesus because there was simply no other way. Why was there no other way? Prepare for the bad news. There was no other way because our big problem in life is not familial, is not historical or societal or political or relational, ecclesiastical or financial. The biggest, darkest thing that all of us have to face that somehow someone influences everything we think, we say, and we do isn't outside of us, but it's inside. If you had none of the above problems in your life, you would still be in grave danger because the danger you are to yourself. If the only human beings needed was a little external tweaking of their life, their circumstances, then the coming of Jesus Jesus to earth wouldn't make any sense. But if the greatest danger to all of our lives inside us is not outside of us, then the radical intervention of the incarnation of Jesus is our only hope. Jesus didn't come to the earth to do preaching tour or hang out with us for a while. He came in a radical mission, a moral rescue. He came to rescue us because he knew that we couldn't rescue ourselves. He knew that sin separates us from God and leaves us guilty before him. We don't appreciate how great the good news is, how supercalifragilisticexpialidocious the good news is until we understand the bad news. Verse 21, you find where the angel says, not only uh, uh, you're going to have a boy, gives a gender reveal party, in the, in the dream, tells him his name, and then tells him his occupation, all right? Gives his gender. Gender's a beautiful thing. It's a gift from God. It's not something, hopefully, that is confusing or distorting or you want to be something else. It is something that you understand. He says, you're going to have a son, verse 21. You're going to have a son. And that son, he's going to do something. His name is going to be Jesus. That is who he is. He's going to do something. Why he came? He came to save the people from their sins. And what does Joseph do in verse 25? But he names him Jesus. I talked about this last week, so I won't spend much on it. But his name, Jesus, is important. Names are important. The name of Jesus comes from that Hebrew word, Yeshua, Joshua, meaning salvation. Jehovah saves. So when I understand that that Jesus is beyond us, but he came to us because he was for us, that's no small matter. And that needs to set in. His name means something. I can remember one time when I was not walking with Jesus, a man came up to me. His name was Michael. My name is Mike. He came up to me almost in this prophetic voice knowing my lifestyle, and he said, you know what your name means? I said, "Uh, no. 
And he said, your name means like the Lord. Literally, you break it down in the Hebrew, it means like, who is like God. At that point, I can still, and I'm years and years removed from that encounter, can still remember that encounter enough to go, am I like the Lord? Do I look like him? Do I act like him? Do I live like him? See, I'm not going to get there on my own. That, that, that God who, who is far off beyond us is the God who is for us, who's trying to make of me something. Jesus, here's the angelic message here. He says, Jesus saved us because we could not save ourselves. He's the one making Michael like the Lord. I'm not making Michael like the Lord. My iniquities, as it says in Isaiah 59 verse 2, my iniquities separated me from God. But what Jesus did, that big gap right there, is what Jesus did is he comes and brings me back to God. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 18. He brings me back to God. The good news is only good news if you understand the bad news first. The bad news is that we are separated from God. But Jesus Christ, far from us, comes to us because he is for us, but he comes to us to also be in us, to be a part of our life, to be a part of our story, to never leave us. He said and later on, in, in his, Jesus said later on in his writing, he said, I don't want you to be orphans. You will not be alone. Once Jesus comes, he will stay with us. Jesus is with us because we should never be alone again. The angelic message that Joseph is given is that Jesus, who's beyond us, who is for us, came to be with us. He came to us because we couldn't go to him. Every other major religion in the world. Our neighbors across the street, what can I do to be found worthy? What can I do to be qualified as worthy? Islam's will tell you you must do these, these pillars of the faith. Hindu will tell you you must be reincarnated. So hopefully one of these days you'll be reincarnated to the point that you'll never have to be reincarnated again because you are now perfect. Buddhism will tell you that you will achieve nirvana and one of these days that will awaken in you. Jehovah's Witnesses will hopefully one of these days you will earn your spot in the 144,000. It's all about what you can do to get to God. But in reality, the Christmas story is God comes to us. Can I get an amen to that? He is far from us. But that distance, that space, that time, that, that nature, that beyond our, cos- our, our world, beyond our cosmos, he comes to us. He is for us. He is going to be with us. And the thing is, is that when Jesus comes, you know, again, I said, Joseph, he never speaks. He never speaks. But you always see him obeying. He never speaks, but he always obeys. There was a time when the angel comes to him again. 
Not only at the time of, 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 of Jesus' birth, but he comes to him again whenever, uh, whenever it's time to run because Herod's killing the babies and tells him to go to Egypt. And there's a time again, because Jesus literally becomes a refugee. Let that sink in. Jesus was a refugee. Had to go to Egypt, stays there until another angel comes and tells him it's time to go back. So he has these constant encounters with angels, calling him back. And I think about Jesus as a refugee. And I just want to affirm Grace Point. Grace Point, for the past, since 2018, this is something to celebrate. Since 2018, we have sent 13 teams to, to Greece, to Athens, to serve among refugees. Now, that's about 84 people that I can count, and I'm still working on the final of this. But the first team in October 2018, the last team in July. Now, let me just say, there was also that's 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 that many teams in a very short amount of time because that says five years, but you got COVID year in there, so that knocked that one out. So we had four years to send 13 teams. All of that focus has been on refugees, caring for, loving on, to the point to come back here that a lot of our people came back here and said, hey, I want to continue this loving on refugees. Jesus was a refugee. I want to love on people as refugees. And so we have been working in Northwest Arkansas with Canopy. And I just want to say, even as we look into our Christmas offering and we look at Ukraine, and the displaced people. And we look in the Middle East, and just this week, we've landed on Send Relief Network, a group of individuals that we've worked with since we started working in Athens. That group is who we're going to be working with, and they're linking us up with churches in the Middle East, Palestinian believers, Israeli believers, as their boots on the ground, going to be serving people in war-torn areas, we're going to be helping them through our Christmas offering this year. I know you've heard a lot about offering today. We don't talk a lot about it from week to week. In fact, I've had other pastors come in and say, Mike, you never talk about it. Yeah, we don't want to hammer on it. But we want to make this time as an opportunity that can truly make a lasting difference. I can't help but think about the old French 18th century, or excuse me, 19th century Christmas carol. I want you to read the dark print out loud with me. Read it out loud with me. Truly, he taught us to love one another. This is the third stanza of O Holy Night. Sometimes we never make it to the third stanzas of songs. His law is love and chains he shall break for the slave. And in his name, Sweet hymns of joy. In grateful chorus raises we. Let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise his name forever. His power and his glory forevermore proclaim. Remember those angels that were worshiping before the throne? You know the beautiful thing is it's not just going to be angels and you and I hanging out with the angels worshiping the Lord. It's not going to be just Grace Point Church there. It's going to be people from every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation. 
It's going to be Ukrainians there. There's going to be uh, Athenians there uh, from Greece. There's, there's going to be people from, from Zambia where we've had partner Mali. We, there's going to be people from all over, and they're going to be gathered there worshiping. It's going to be a beautiful time. Are you going to be there? Do you know Jesus? Don't go any further into this Christmas season just celebrating Christmas, just having the festivities, just eating the food and exchanging the gifts. Know Jesus. Worship him. Give your life to him. When Mary heard the message from the angel, she said, I'm your servant. Again, you don't hear anything from the lips of Joseph. But when Joseph hears the message, even though the divorce papers were already signed and going to be delivered to the courthouse, I'm assuming in McDaniel paraphrase version, the next morning, the angel appears and Joseph does what? Joseph awoke from his sleep. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. He obeyed. See, the love language of God is this, obedience. Obedience. Jared, ta- Jared talked about when he was on the stage. We just want to help people take their next step of obedience. What is God calling you to today? Maybe it's this. Say yes and follow me. Maybe it's something else, whatever it is. Do as Mary, do as Joseph did. I'm your servant. And when you leave here, obey. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I celebrate today with Grace Point Church, your church, for the work that you have done through us over the past five years with refugees, Muslims, many of many Muslims who do not know Jesus the way we know Jesus. Father, you allowed us to go and to be with. You've allowed us to come back home here and and to serve them well. You've allowed us to be a church that loves on our community. Lord, we just want to be like you. Lord, you were far from us. But you were for us. And you came to be with us. You're Emmanuel. We sing of that, Emmanuel. We worship you, Emmanuel. But Father, if there's anybody in this room who does not know you as God with us, as God with them, I pray that you would speak to their heart right now. They would trust you. They would follow you. And you would forever be with them. Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Grace Point Church podcast. To stay up to date on all things GPC, follow us at Grace Point NWA on Facebook or Instagram. As you go, be people who show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Live Scent.